What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is, of course, the official beer of DNVR. It's, it's the middle of the NBA bubble playoffs. We've got the NHL going, the Avs playing the Coyotes. I don't know about you guys, but there's something about the NHL playoffs that just make it so intense. It makes it, it makes it like it's it's a thrilling experience, but it almost is kind of makes you sick to your stomach because you're just so on edge. That last game, you know, Darcy Kemper's just just completely shutting down everything the abs are sending his way. And the entire time, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh man, I could really use an ice cold beer right now. And if you're going to have an ice cold beer, there's nothing better than an ice cold Breck brew. Whether it's the Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Mountain Beach, Hot Peak IPA, whatever you're going with, you can't go wrong as long as it's Breck. Shout out to Breck. Grab it at Costco, your local liquor stores, King Supers. Whatever you're doing, just make sure you're grabbing an ice cold Breckenridge beer. We love those guys. Fun episode today. I caught up with Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. Good friend of mine. I just thought it was a good opportunity to kind of get somebody that's highly involved with Colorado high school football, get his perspective on the entire decision. He's he's really critical of Colorado's decision to postpone the football season to spring. He he explains all of that. And, you know, I thought a lot of what he had to say was really, really fair. You know, I don't necessarily agree 100% with what he said, but he really convinced me on a lot of stuff. It was really great. You're going to notice on this podcast, it's definitely a lot of Tim. You know, it's a little bit less me. I kind of just handed the, you know, steering wheel over to him basically and let him drive just because, you know, I really wanted his perspective. You know, that was kind of the whole purpose. So I think you guys will enjoy it. You know, it's it's just good to get a bunch of different perspectives on here. I think he's a really intelligent guy. I think he's a guy who genuinely just has the best interest of Colorado student athletes in in mind and. He's just a guy who I enjoy catching up with. So I think you guys really like this. So here we go. Uh, I guess there's no point in rambling anymore. That interview with Tim Jenkins, my guy from Jenkins Elite. All right. Joining me today, we've got a special guest on the podcast. Good friend of mine, Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite, one of the best QB trainers in the state. Tim works with just a ton of high school kids. And so I thought it would be Good to get his perspective of, you know, what Colorado plans to do as far as what are normally fall sports this season, get his reaction on all that kind of stuff. Tim, how you doing, my man? Doing good. Doing good. Like we were talking about before, we just had our third kiddo. So uh, Starbucks is treating me well to make sure I'm good to go for you. But yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> Silver linings, you know, obviously a, a lot of disappointing news with the football, but you know, birth of your birth of your third child, 2020 yeah. can't be going that bad. No, 2020 is great. 2020 is great. There's definitely <laughs> some, uh, there's definitely some stuff for our kiddos to work through, but yeah, it's a uh, 2020 is uh, anytime you have a little kiddo, it's a, it's a blessing. You know, when all of this dropped, you were one of the the first people that came to mind because I was just kind of thinking like, oh man, like how, one, how is this news going to impact high school recruits? And two, you know, how's it going to impact, you know, the people that make a living in this type of stuff? So I'm kind of curious, you know, when you, when you found out that Colorado was officially moving football to spring, it's not really spring, it's more like February, but yeah, you know, what, what was going through your head at that moment? I mean, I, you know, I was pretty vocal on Twitter about it being a 
really poor decision. Uh, and again, I, I'm not a doctor. So from a public health perspective, I, I don't even want to touch it because I have no idea. I just try to use from the football perspective, it was a bad decision. I was pretty vocal about it. Um, you know, everyone keeps like, everyone keeps giving me a hard time about me saying this, but it's the truth for my business. It's good, right? We're going to now become the only way that you can go to college is if you train with us and we help you get in front of coaches. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like hearing that it's the truth. Um, so when I come out against moving football, even though I'm going to make more money, I think people should maybe listen, (laughs) but you know, for us, it's, my biggest issue with the whole thing, it has nothing to do with whether or not it was the right uh, decision for public health. It has everything to do with we're letting these X amount of sports play and then football's not one of them. And I get it from the outside looking in, they see big guys hitting and they think football is this like where you're breathing on each other all the time. The reality is, is as a quarterback or you know anyone, you're playing three seconds at a time. You're playing 100 snaps a game at most. Um, I spent a lot more time when I was a shortstop, right, starting shortstop baseball player in high school, messing around with my buddies in the dugout than I did as a football player. So, you know, when we say, hey, softball's okay or this is okay, that's for me where I just, you know, again, public health aside, that's where for me it just doesn't make sense. If it's truly, hey, you know, we have to move this for public health, let's move all sports to the spring and let's figure out, you know, not how to do it for multi-sport guys, but how to let the kiddos play. But when we're letting certain guys play and then other guys not, and and more or less for me, I just think it's from the outside perspective because I, I know football is a contact sport and I know people think of hitting and everything. It just, you know, you're talking about three seconds at a time and a majority of time, you know, you're in the huddle or getting to play. It's just not... Um, in my opinion, right? But again, what no, do I and, know? and that's certainly coach. fair. <laughs> like, I've, I've tried to make that really clear over the last, you know, couple of months. We're not medical experts. All we can do is go off the information yep. that is available to us. And I think you raise a really good point. You know, if if you can play softball and volleyball and some of these other sports, can you? Is it that much more dangerous to play football? Like, yeah. obviously, you know, it's contact, like you said. But as you pointed out, you know, it's not. It's not like you're all completely breathing on each other. You play outdoors, which is different yep. than, you know, some of the other stuff. I, I don't know. I, I definitely get where you're coming from. You know, you're, you're really in tune with a lot of the high profile commits or recruits that are coming out of Colorado. You know, what, what have your conversations with them been like? How do you feel like those kind of guys are, are, have taken this news? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the, the kiddos are taking it in stride, right? They don't really have a choice. You know, I, I you know, I admire a lot of our kids because they're still so optimistic and they're doing a great job, which they should be because they're going to have every opportunity to still go on and play. Now, listen, dollar amounts might diminish or whatever, but, you know, these kiddos are super optimistic. I think from the high profile recruit, the bigger news wasn't high school football. The bigger news was when now right? The Mountain West, Pac-12, Big Ten have come out and, you know, who and the MAC and then a couple other just one-offs um, have come out and said, hey, we're playing in the spring, which now is throwing a wrench in it because, you know, the early enroll aspect of it is because you can get spring football, which is where coaches are most focused on teaching mm-hmm. is spring ball, right? So now if you're going to play in the spring, these kids aren't going to get those true teaching reps. So, now a kid might have some more flexibility to play in the spring. 
the real issue is going to be this is going to be, are they actually going to play in the spring for both high school and college? Or is this just a way to kick the can down the road? And then, you know, there's just so many issues that are going to start to come up because now, okay, if I'm a fourth round pick, am I playing in the spring? And, and what does the NFL want? Does the NFL want to see me at the combine in the senior bowl or do they want to see me go play Utah state? I don't know. I mean, the reality of it is no one knows. Unless you're an NFL GM, you have no idea. We can all say what we think, you know, and I've gotten a lot of people giving me their opinion on, oh, no, you should play a full schedule. Well, yeah, that's you, but, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what Bill Belichick thinks, if he's going to come up and pick you in the third round or not. So it just – there's so many things. You know, the top recruits, I think it gives them more flexibility now you know, unless they are an SEC commit, which then they're going to enroll in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, you know, more or less, this feeds that cycle of, it, it, I don't know, man, it, it feeds the cycle a little bit of all the South is going to play high school football. Those kids are going to get recruited like normal. The South is going to play college football on time as of right now. So they're going to then have spring ball while everyone else is game planning for each other. And then so now we have Mountain West athletes going to play two football seasons in 12 months and SEC and, you know, ACC and everyone else is going to play on a normal schedule. I just don't see how, I don't see how that's beneficial to the states and everyone that's saying, Hey, come, you know, we're serious about football. We're getting better about it. And then we make decisions like this. And again, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but at some point we have to, you know, listen, these kiddos, I'm much more from the Nick Saban process of these kids are much safer in a controlled environment, especially college Mm -hmm. than they are back. I mean, how many kids was it that got, you know, I I think I was reading an article about, you know, two kiddos from power five schools got either shot at or shot while they were home at shelter in place. Good You know what I mean? No, I mean, it's a, it's a good point. Like, and and they're safer at school. Yeah. And I just think, you know, it's, there's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And I, you know, again, I'm not paying that close attention to CSU. Like I know you have, but I mean, they, how many picks do they have this year that now are those kiddos going to play or are they going to go on a long-term combine prep? I I don't know. And I can't imagine that's helpful for a brand new staff to have your best kids thinking about, Hey man, I'm not going to play this spring. So I just think there's a lot of stuff that is going to come up from those decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super, you know, unfortunate for CSU. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to everything else that's going on. And I know that you aren't either. One of the one of the guys that came to mind with the spring season with the Mountain West is Warren Jackson, you know, big time wide receiver at CSU. Yeah. He was going to come back and play this fall. You know, would he want to play in the spring? Do you know, do you want to try and yeah. shoot your way up the draft board? What about risk injury and injury and all that kind of stuff? It gets super complicated. And, you know, as far as early enrollees, that's another point I brought up with, you know, Luke McAllister being a guy who was, you know, initially planning on coming in the spring, getting those early reps. We'll see, you know, if he still does. Like you said, it'll be kind of interesting. A lot of that will come down to if CSU actually plays or not. But one of the things I did want to ask you about that you brought up is playing two seasons within a calendar year, because I think that's going to be one of the the big points of contention for those that say, well, how do you postpone the season saying, claiming that it's in the best interest of the student athletes? 
and then come out and then roll out a plan that's like, all right, we're going to play like 18 to 20 games in a, yeah. you know, in a calendar year. How, how intense would that really be? And do you think it's even possible? I mean, it's possible, right? It's, it's definitely possible. It just, the reality of it is it's no way, shape or form helpful to the student athlete in comparison to either playing in the fall or canceling the season, right? It's, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think you brought up the, the best point, which is, you know, not only it's, it's not just two seasons, it's two training camps. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now when does spring ball happen? Do they do spring ball in the summer? So now are these kids literally in pads for 12 months? I think, and then not to mention, so as a coach now, think of it from like Lynch's perspective, right? You're in a brand new school. You need to put up a fence around the state of Colorado. Well, when I normally go do my junior prospect visits, I'm in a season. And then now I have three months, let's call it, right? May, June, July to get ready for next season. Do I spend that running prospect camps or do I spend that trying to figure out like, okay, who opted out, who's back, all the other stuff. So now what happens with prospect camps? And then now does this begin to affect the class of 2022 and not just 2021? You know, those are some real issues that come up from playing in the spring. So it's definitely possible. Um, you know, I, I don't know. And I, and I hate being this guy because I come off so insensitive about postponing the season. I come off so insensitive to the, you know, 160,000 people that we've lost to COVID, which is devastating, right? It's, it's not like that's something that you can just brush off. I just personally think we have to evaluate it for these kids and not as a population as a whole. And that's where there's some some disconnect. And I understand the argument for high school, which is you can take it home to grandma and grandpa. That's not a reality for a college kid. When I was in college, right, like you can you can limit their exposure to their families. They're not around. A majority of them aren't from Fort Collins. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's where for me it's kind of, you know, Hey, we, we probably could play. I just, you know, again, who knows this all, we could look back in a year. I I really am of this opinion that next year we'll look back and we'll either be say celebrating Chassa and the mountain West and everyone else, or we'll be looking back and saying, wow, like this was the worst decision you could have possibly made for student athletes. I, I think it's one of the two. I don't think it's going to be like a middle ground. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. And, and one I kind of brushed at the other day, it's, it's going to be interesting from a, just like a, a football perspective. And I think you kind of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about there's still being high school football in the South, the SEC is still playing. Let's say, you know, they go forward and, and they have success. You know, I, I do think inevitably there will be positive tests just because there are so many people. But, you know, let's say they get through it. It ends up being fine. Does that do then people look at Colorado and does that further perpetuate the, the stereotype that football in Colorado is small time? You know, that it's just not yeah. as big of a deal that could that could really hurt, you know, the, the recruitment of a lot of people coming out of the state. Well, and I, th- I honestly think it's even deeper than just the high school level, right? If they go on and, you know, again, to me, there's a huge difference between a, a, a positive test and then a kid who, you know, whether he dies, right, or develops some of these complications people are talking about, right? That's one and that's of the big pushes. Is, and then we don't yeah. know any of that yeah. stuff. Like, we're not, yeah. we're not qualified. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's, 
you know, if, if they go through the season, you know, it looks like Iowa high school baseball was fine. Right. Exactly. And again, yeah. football's not like baseball. So, you know, who knows, but if they go through and it's fine, yeah, we're going to look like a laughing stock. but here's the bigger issue is if I'm a big time college recruit coming out and this affects CSU and CU alike, do I really believe that the PAC 12 big 10 mountain West or Mac right now take football seriously? If every, if, if all other major conferences push on, Right. And again, I know that a lot of decision makers are saying it's because of the health of the student athlete, which I can respect. But if I'm a student athlete, I'm looking at playing, if, especially if I'm that big time kid. So now do you all of a sudden have people in their ear saying, hey, man, don't even think about going and playing in those conferences because, you know, they don't they they don't they'll they'll push football the first chance they get. So I think there's more of a dynamic that if I'm a college QB coach right now recruiting and my conference is playing. Oh my gosh. Like, could I not have a field day calling? If I'm in the Sun Belt, could I not have a field day calling Luke McAllister and being like, hey man, you want to come to a conference that takes football seriously? Like, I think there's a play and these guys are all good. They're good car salesmen, man. That's what they're good at. That's why they have their job. So I think, I think there's more stuff to it than even just the high school kiddo. And that's what I think is, is a bummer. And I, I don't know. I, I do think that you know, I was happy to see how many athletes and coaches were coming out and saying, hey, man, we want to do this. Because for a long time on Twitter, it became an echo chamber of if you don't push it, you don't care about your athletes. And no one was really saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was dangerous for the administrators to see because I think they started to think to themselves, man, I can postpone this and I'm going to win in the court of public opinion. Now there's some people starting to speak up and say, you know what, this is what we really think. This is how much football, you know, or sports in general kind of mean to some kiddos. So I do think that that was helpful in some of these other conferences standing their ground. So it will be interesting, you know, like we alluded to, they're very well, you know, Alabama football could have a hundred positive cases and the kiddos, you know, we could say, Hey, wow, Mountain West made a great call. And they could also have, one positive, right. Or nine positives and all of them asymptomatic. And we could say, you know what, we should have played. So I think it's, um, I don't envy the decision makers in any way. Oh God. not at all. <laughs> like, so I, I couldn't imagine having to be an athletic director, a school president, something yeah. like that right now. That, that just sounds absolutely miserable. Yeah, no matter does. what you do, you're in the wrong because the yeah. truth is like, you know, if you postpone the season, you're going to piss off the people like you and me that are obsessed yeah. with sports that, you know, live and breathe this stuff. If you don't postpone it, you're going to piss off the mob of people that, you know, want yeah. everything that's deemed non-essential or whatever to, to be shut down. And I get that, you know, there's difference in opinion and it's, it's, it gets politicized and there's a lot of different layers that, you know, go yeah. into all that kind of stuff, you know, in your heart though. And, and I know you, you don't know anything more than any of us, but yeah, you know, in your heart, if you had to say Colorado will or will not play high school football this spring, how do you feel? Like, do you, do you feel like this was a, an instance of them just kind of pushing it down the road and then being like, well, look, we tried to, we tried to see if we could do it. And, and this was kind of just to, you know, appease some people, or do you feel like, you know, this, they're actually going to be able to get their crap together? I mean, I, I hate being this guy, but honestly, I think depending on how November 4th goes, I think we would have an answer. I, I really do think that it's, you know, it's gotten to that point only because you can look clearly at the states. There's certain states that are playing on time. There's certain ones that aren't. There's mm-hmm. some crossover, 
Um, so I hate being that guy. I think honestly, um, you know, I hope for the sake of all these kiddos that they're playing, they have every intention of playing, um, you know, based on what we've kind of seen, I could easily see them not playing. Um, my heart of hearts would tell you that they're going to play. Um, and I, I think there's going to be some sort of, they're going to have to get a waiver or something. And I think the parents are going to push hard enough to get it played. I think they'll try to cancel it. Um, but I do think Colorado high school football plays. And I, my big hope is that the NCAA pushes signing day back. If the NCAA pushes signing day back to May, let's call it, this all gets resolved from a recruiting perspective ish, but it still gets, it's a better situation. The reason I say ish is because a lot of people don't understand how recruiting works below FBS, Mm -hmm. right? You know, if I'm a D2 program, I have a hundred thousand dollars to give out. I can divvy these scholarships up. Well, when we recruit on a, you know, staggered calendar, I have 37 States I have to recruit in the fall. I can't, tell those kids to wait until March and I'll offer them because other colleges are offering them. So the reason I say ish is because if you have a hundred thousand and 80,000 commit by the time a Colorado kid plays, the pool is just smaller. So that's where I think the signing day would help. It still doesn't alleviate all of the concerns. Um, But this is where it's just so darn confusing justice because what is the difference between mountain West and an sec, right? Like, why are they playing? And then why are we not? And then, you know, that's where for me, it's just like, this is confusing altogether, right? Because all I have a hard time believing the SEC doesn't have good doctors advising them as well. So, you know, we can all say, hey, it's just about them making their money. Uh, okay, but I don't... I, I personally don't think that it's literally only about dollars and cents. I think it's about, you know, trying to, you know, push for and trying to get some normalcy, whatever it may be. And I get that people are saying, hey, college football isn't essential. I'm never going to be a guy. Yeah, I'm never going to be a guy that's going to tell someone, hey, you know, and again, this is probably more just my own like kind of belief system. I'm never going to tell you what's important, you know, to to your life. I mean, shoot, I personally had the, a really hard time in, in March when we were all saying, Hey, this is essential. This is not essential. And then I'm looking at all my student athletes that we can't train and we have to check on, check in on them every week. Cause they're going through anxiety and all this other stuff that I would have never dreamed of going through when I was 16, but we did it to them. So you tell me what's, you know, essential and non-essential. And that's where for me, this, this whole thing, I've kind of you know, personally struggled with. Cause again, I, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going to tell you, Hey, f- you know, I went to Fort Lewis college. It was super essential to me. A lot of people don't care about the Skyhawks. Right. But for me, it helped me a lot in my journey of, to, you know, kind of being the human you are long-term. So I don't know. I think that's where it's tough is, you know, the idea of essential or non-essential and tell that to these kids that, you know, go to Alabama or CSU or wherever from really, really, really bad areas and then tell them that, Hey, football's not essential. Well, it's the reason that they're getting a college education and not, you know, somewhere else, which we all know is more dangerous. So I don't know, man, it's, this is where it's such a complicated issue and it's where the health perspective of it is kind of case to case. Yeah. It's more healthy for 
you know, an older person in Fort Collins for them to not play football, but it's not more healthy for that student athlete. So that's where it's like, well then, okay, whose health do we prioritize? And that's where this, I, I, you know, again, like we were joking, man, I don't envy those guys making those decisions. I think it's, it's tough to, uh, you're just, they're in such a lose, lose. They're in such a lose, lose. People can, Uh, you know, they can, uh, they can make jokes all they want about the lower levels of football, but as you well know, you know, you still made it to the league playing at Fort Lewis guys, gorgeous scenery. It's one of the, one of the cooler like backdrops I've ever seen in terms of how the practice field lines up with everything. That's super dope. But you know, that, that, I really like what you said there because that was one of my main themes actually on yesterday's podcast, funny enough, was essentially that, look, there are people that don't care about sports. There are people who, when the world is completely fine, when we don't have anything, you know, yeah. going on, who just think it's stupid how much that people like you and I care about sports. To those people, we are never going to convince them, like, yeah. you know, this, this stuff matters. But to the people that are involved in it, they understand, you know, it's, it's so much more than a game. Like you said, it provides opportunity. It creates a sense of community, the economic impact and local businesses and everything. There's, there's so much wrapped into, into sports and playing that I just, I really honestly, like I kind of take offense to the people that kind of try to be dismissive about sports and, and just what they bring to, to people in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no, you know, it's, it's a two-way street, right? We could be just as dismissive about chemistry class because last time I checked, I haven't ran a, you know, scientific method experiment lately. But, you know, to some people, it's super important. And I think it's, honestly, I, you know, I don't want to get like political or anything. I think that's part of what's wrong right now with our country is we just stand on cliffs yelling at each other rather than just being like, hey, man, I get that that's important to you and here's something that's important to me. And I think if we could kind of do that more, you know, I, I do think that that would be beneficial. And honestly, I think I learned that through football. I learned that through being in a locker room where, you know, there's 90 different guys came from 90 different homes, 90 different lifestyles, but you kind of put all that aside to achieve a common goal. And, you know, I hope at some point we get to this point in society where we like all understand, Hey, there are certain things that are important to certain people and that's okay. And let's put it aside to get to a common goal, you know, which is, you know, our country or, or kind of whatever we're all working towards. And I think, um, you know, more or less, I wish we kind of, you know, could understand or see it from that perspective. But, I, you know, I do think it's a good thing for young people to see, which is, you know, hey, man, there's there's, you know, I never would have dreamt that, you know, politicians were deciding, you know, whether or not we're playing sports, right? I, you know, I sat in government class and I always thought to myself, awesome, but not going to affect me. Well, turns out, right, it does. <laughs> and it's, it's probably a good lesson for the young kiddos to learn is that, you know, there are things that you, you have to pay attention to and you've got to be vigilant about. And, and you know, a lot of the country is waking up to it in, in, in all sorts of different ways, at much, you know, some would say much bigger than football. You know, again, it's just, it's, it's where you're coming from. I come from where football was. The reason I went to college was, you know, the reason, you know, I, I, I got paid a pretty decent living when I was a young guy. And then the reason why now we have 18 people in Colorado with jobs through a pandemic, which like, you know, again, is 18 that many people? No, but it's, you know, it's not nothing. So I think it's one of those things that, you know, 
football literally changed my life. So when I hear like you, people being dismissive of it and saying, Hey, just these kids just need to go to class. It's just, you know, kind of disingenuous, especially when there's totally. brand new science buildings, because a hundred thousand people watch football. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing that, you know, the, the anti sports crowd, they don't want to acknowledge. No, like, Sports aren't solely responsible for the reason that universities function. There's, you know, a ton of grant money, research, all that type of stuff. And that all makes it work. But you're being disingenuous if you look at yourself and, and you look at some of the fancy things that have been built on like an Ohio State campus, a Michigan yeah. campus over the last, you know, 40 years, however many you want to go back. It's because 110,000 people show up every yeah. Saturday and invest a ton of money back into that community. Yeah. I just think, you know, ultimately competition of every aspect makes your campus better, right? Alabama has a lot of nice buildings because of their football program. The same way MIT has a lot of nice buildings because they pump out brilliant people. Those people want it to continue to be the best, whatever that be. And I think, um, you know, I, I do, you know, listen, I was a college athlete. You've been on college campuses. There is that academic athletic divide, right? Oh, totally. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I, and I wish that, you know, again, it's just like we were talking about, I would, as our country, I wish more of us could understand, Hey, you know, we do this together, right? The reason, you know, athletics survives, you know, because academics and academics survive because of athletics and it's this beautiful partnership and it doesn't need to be something where we're always at each other's, you know, throats. And, you know, hopefully this is something that can get it closer. I think, Sadly, um, I do think people are going to start to feel the effects of it, right? I think this could be something that gets people to have more awareness, whether it be non-revenue sports getting cut. I mean, look what Stan, what did Stanford do last spring? They cut 11 non-revenue sports or whatever. I think. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had literally like more sports than any program in the country basically, but you know, it's, it's still disappointing to see that happen as a result of basically the, the world we're living in. Yeah. And that's what I do think is, you know, that's, those are the other ramifications that I think we're not currently thinking about. And that's where it's like, this debate is not simple. It's highly complex, but people on Twitter would have you believe that it's as simple as move football to the spring and save lives. Well, you could make the argument of you move football to the spring you cut six sports and then how many people don't have a chance to now go get a college education. So, you know, is that life saved? Is that life better, worse? I don't know. And I think that's where this is such a complex issue. Um, but people don't really want to hear it. They kind of want to just tell you that if, if you're not willing to give up your thing for, you know, the greater good, then you're a bad person. Meanwhile, their job has been unaffected. So I think, you know, listen, I had a buddy who was like so pro shelter in place, right? Then his company, you know, furloughs a bunch of people and he gets let go and he's like, we got to open back up. So I do think it's this classic, like, hey, we all have really great opinions until our thing is the thing. Totally. Um, no, and I, that's I think where, that's a great point. You know, and I think that's where, you know, maybe we should, you know, and why I've tried to be so vocal about standing up for, hey, you know what? I don't think this was, you know. I don't think this was well thought out. And that's, you know, um, I've been painted as kind of like a guy who doesn't care about kids, which anyone who knows me is the, knows it's the polar opposite. But, you know, I'm more than willing to be the villain for the next three months if it helps one of our kiddos get recruited. And, you know, uh, I can I can do that. <laughs> like you said, man, it's 
it's a difficult time. It's complex. There's a lot of layers to it. And despite what, you know, the Twitter mob tries to, you know, make it seem like this isn't a, it's not a black and white situation. You know, there's, it's a great situation. There's a lot of jobs at line. There's a lot of money at stake, communities, people's future. It's, It's complicated, but thank you so much, you know, for coming on and, and giving your perspective. It was really great just to get somebody that's, you know, highly involved with high school football in Colorado. I'm a guy who likes to observe from the side and follow the recruiting scene. But, you know, as somebody who's, you know, like, like you said, who makes their living in this, I just think your perspective is, you know, a little more valuable than mine. So, so thank you for coming uh, on, Tim. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having me. You'll have to come check out a group now that you got some time in the fall. I got all fall now, so I guess I'm going to be watching a lot of, a lot of high yep. school workouts. <laughs> all right, brother. I appreciate you. Awesome. Take care, dude. The hits literally keep on coming. From one MMA event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation, and UFC 252 is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the octagon this weekend. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users the opportunity to bet $1 to win $252. Those are some great odds. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including fighter props, round-by-round betting, and so much more. Plus, with basketball's playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering $10 in free bets to use in in in-game action for every single day of the first round. Wow, that's going to be a lot of fun. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you know you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Gotta love that. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $252 on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $252 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. All you gotta do is use that code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings, now is a perfect time to do my DraftKings Pick of the Week. DraftKings Pick of the Week. I want a jingle so bad. If it's somebody's musical, create me one. That would be awesome. I just want a jingle. I think it would be fun. Anyways, I've not had a ton of luck betting on the Rockies lately. I was really kind of killing it with them for a solid two weeks there. Bullpen's been a little sketchy lately. They scared me off slightly. Um, You know, you, you always got to be careful when you're betting with your heart. It, it just makes losing that much worse. But with the Avs game on Friday against the Coyotes, you got the early start, 12 p.m. Mountain. I kind of feel like the Avs are going to explode for some goals. You know, Kemper's a beast. I'm, I'm not trying to diss him or anything like that, but I felt like I don't know. I kind of felt like that performance was a little bit fluky and that that third period was a little bit more indicative of what we should expect this series. We'll see. Like I said, he's good, but I just think the abs have too much firepower. They came out so much more aggressive than Phoenix. I just feel pretty good about it. Um, I, I don't traditionally bet on puck lines a whole lot. They just kind of make me a little bit nervous. The abs are, are favored by a goal and a half minus one and a half at plus 135. That feels okay to me. I just I feel like they're going to win. I feel like they're going to get that two-goal win. I hope I'm not completely jinxing it, but that's what I'm going with this week. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. 
lock it in. Abs minus one and a half goals at plus 135. Go get that win, you know, go win like four to one, whatever, four zero. Get another shutout. That'd be awesome. Grubauer looks like a stud. I'm just so stoked that the abs are in action, man. They they really feel like a contender this year. And it's been a it's been a long time since I felt like that was, you know, probably since I feel like the Forsberg Sackick days. So man, it's back. Hockey's back, the abs are back. Let's do it. Shout out to DraftKings. We love those guys.